0: Well, good morning again. We are this morning going to continue on in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to finish up the first chapter as we look at verses uh, 13 through 23. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 23. If you were pleased. Read through those verses with me. In him you also trusted. Oh, I'm sorry. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he who worked in Christ, when he was raised from the dead, And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for giving yourself to us. Lord, for the redemption that we don't deserve, for allowing us to once again be part of your family, Lord. And may this word this morning just pierce our hearts and draw us close to you Lord, will you move everything else out of the way and make your presence known here among us that you may be seen and heard. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a couple of points to make here. We see in verse 13 that in him you also trusted after you heard The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Yeah, I've often I haven't heard it recently, but I used to hear quite a lot the phrase, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Well, the Bible is pretty clear that words are always necessary, that the gospel must be heard. Now, A demonstration of the gospel, living your life according to it, certainly makes an impact. But at some point, the gospel must be heard. People have to know why you act the way you do, why you do the things you do. Not just that you do them, but why. And therefore, the gospel has to be heard. In fact, we're told quite specifically that faith comes by hearing. In the 10th chapter of Romans... Verses 13 through 15, this is what we see. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And skip on down one verse to verse 17, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There is the word of God that has to be heard, and then faith can come. So at some point, the word of God has to be put out there. People have to hear it. The gospel has to be preached. It has to be spread. And you can't do it without people actually hearing the gospel. And then after that, believing, of course, brings you to the point of redemption. Redemption it brings you to the point of our salvation. And John chapter 1, 12 tells us, But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So once we hear God's calling, and we believe and trust in him, then our salvation is secured. And redemption begins. We've heard about redemption a good bit. Redemption is not just a here and now thing. It actually happens in in multiple stages. It's not just here and now, but it's also something to come. Um, We have been redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And we are currently being redeemed as the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit works in our lives to make us more like Christ, that sanctification. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 tell us um, how the Spirit is working in the lives of believers. It says, therefore, In us who do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. This is an ongoing uh, uh, act of sanctification. Which is part of redemption. And then lastly we shall be redeemed. When Christ returns. And we become like him. Eighth chapter of Romans verses 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors. With birth pangs together until now. Not only that. But we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. So it has happened, it is happening, and it will happen. It's not a one-time thing, but an ongoing lifetime thing, our salvation. That God is working in us now the Ephesians, they heard the gospel and they trusted it. And their salvation, it was secured. The gospel is true. We can trust it. Jesus says of himself in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he says he is the truth. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. We're also told, let God be true and every man a liar. Point being, The gospel is true, so it can be trusted. And the truth of the gospel is not dependent upon our belief. What a person believes about the gospel has no bearing on the truth. I mean, a person doesn't have to believe it, but it doesn't make it untrue. I don't have to believe in gravity, but if I walk off the top of the Empire State Building, it's really going to hurt when I hit the ground. That's the truth. Even though I may not believe in gravity, the truth doesn't change. One may not believe in Christ, but the truth doesn't change. Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. So Paul says, even if some don't believe, it doesn't make it untrue. So when we trust, when we trust in Jesus Christ our salvation is secured. It's guaranteed by God himself. And the Holy Spirit is given as a seal. Look at this. At the end of verse 13. Having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of Of his glory. Holy Spirit, our guarantee, our seal. He, the Holy Spirit, is the assurance of that promise of salvation and our redemption. And this sealing that Paul speaks about here... It, it, it refers to, and I'm sure you guys know this, but it refers to an official mark of identification that would be stamped on something, uh, uh, placed on a letter or contract or some other official document that you know would certify that document, make it official, and that document was therefore officially under the authority of the person whose stamp was on the seal. Now, The Holy Spirit is given to believers as a seal, a promise of that salvation. So, that means that the person who is saved, that bears the seal of the Holy Spirit, is under the authority of the Father. We now belong to him. He has put his stamp, he has put his seal on us through the Holy Spirit. We are the purchased possession. Look at verse 15 and 16. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you in making mention of you in my prayers. Now, Paul had heard about the faith of the Ephesians and how they demonstrated their faith through their love of the saints. Paul recognized this, and he constantly, he lifted them up in prayer and gave thanks for them. And Paul's prayer to them, this was really some prayer we're going to look at. It was meant to encourage and to equip them. He wanted them to understand the riches they had in Christ. Christ. As he would also want us to understand, as God wants us to understand, the riches we have in Christ. Yeah, a lot of people resist salvation because they're afraid that they might have to give up. It's not about what we can't have. We need to understand the riches that we do have in Jesus Christ. Look This is verses 17 through 20 here. The ones we're specifically looking at at the moment. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, wisdom and knowledge in Christ, he says, this is very fundamental. There's no higher knowledge than knowing God. This, this is part of what he was praying for them, the Ephesians. Without knowledge of God, true understanding of anything is impossible. Proverbs nine ten says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Without that knowledge... You know all the facts in the world. But you're not going to have the understanding that you need. The knowledge of God is fundamental. So here's what, he wanted them to have specific knowledge of these three things. The hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and the exceeding greatness of Of his power. So he wanted them to have understanding and knowledge of these three things. This was meant to encourage them and to equip them. Now, God's calling provides a sure hope. The hope carries with it the assurance. It's an assurance, it's something we can count on. A biblical hope is a guarantee, it absolutely will happen because God has decreed it. And this hope is our assurance of a glorified eternity with Christ. It is a living hope. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he he is pure. And 1 Peter 1.3 tells us this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this living hope as they begin to understand it, as we begin to understand it, should be a driving force in our lives. Paul wanted the Ephesians to understand this, and so should we. This hope in Jesus Christ should be a driving force. It should be a motivation behind everything we do in our lives. And also, we want them to understand the riches and glory of his inheritance. Now, this speaks of, if you look at the text, his inheritance, God's inheritance, not ours. In Ephesians 1.11, we see if, uh, a, a reference to our inheritance. Um, in him, we have, also we have obtained an inheritance. But now he's talking about his inheritance, God's inheritance. Let's see up. Uh, to find the exact verse here but we're looking at verses 17 to 20 verse 18 uh, last part of it um, talking about what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints So, what exactly is God's inheritance what exactly could he inherit well, his inheritance is in the saints, believers. Now, think about this for just a moment. God looks at us as part of his great wealth. And indeed, it, we were bought at a tremendous price. So we must mean something to him. We must hold some value. And the fact that he has bought us and made us an accepted part of his wealth is to the praise of his glory. Our redemption truly is God's glory, as we saw in Ephesians 1 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So it truly is, again, all about God. That we are part of his inheritance is really kind of mind-blowing when you stop and think about it. We are the purchased possession. We are part of his wealth. And then there's God's power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead, our text tells us. It's not something that we can just call upon to use for whatever we want. But the power is worked in our lives and it's very necessary for us for a couple of reasons. One, because we are weak in and of ourselves. Matthew twenty six forty one says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need God's power. As our help because the flesh is weak. We also need this power to fight our true enemy. In the 6th chapter of Ephesians, verses 11 and 12, it tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness, In the heavenly places. Which is the same power. By which Christ derives his authority. So this power is very necessary in our lives. These are the things he wanted. These believers to understand. These are the things that we should understand as well. And as we look at the last three verses. Verses 21 through 23. It says that he is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that age which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so he is over all which means we are under him Believers are the church which is his body and as such the church is the fullness of him. That means that we are all about his work and we represent him in all things because believers, the church, are the fullness of him. It's a blessed calling. But to bring us around full circle What good is a calling if it is not heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Calling is no good if nobody hears it. You can call all you want, but when it falls on deaf ears, nobody answers. So it's up to us. Put that out there. It all begins with the hearing of the gospel. Making it heard. And that is our job as the church, every church. That is our job. It's bringing that gospel. Plain and simple. It doesn't get much more straightforward than that. Above all else. This is how we glorify Christ. It's how we glorify the Father. This is how we do His work. It's by bringing others to know Him, by making His greatness known, by sharing the gospel, and seeing His kingdom grow with more believers. And God gets more and more glory. And as being the fullness of Christ that is the church. That is without a doubt what we must do. That's something we can do individually. That's something we can do corporately. You know, that, that's, that's just something that we all at some point have an opportunity to do so that's what I leave you with this morning faith comes by hearing Thanks. there's not a single one of us who doesn't want others to have faith in Jesus Christ I doubt there's a person sitting in this room who would want to see anybody condemned to hell now whether or not someone believes that's not on us But the sharing of the truth, the Word of God, the gospel, is, is on us. So that's where I leave you with this morning. Just some, some things to, to think about. Let's pray as we go into the invitation. Father, just thank you so much. What, what a blessed calling you give us. Help us, Lord, to find ways, both individually and as a group. To make this gospel known to others you know, outside of this church walls. That you may be glorified. That your kingdom may grow. That you be lifted up on high. And we thank you, Lord, for it. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.